There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And the driving jam time. And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Happy to be with you on a Friday night. Oh, so much I want to get to here. We're going to hear a little from uh, Craig Berube and talk some blues in the next hour. We have a little uh, college basketball. Arch Madness is going on over at Enterprise Center as we speak. And uh, game just the 6 o'clock game just got underway there. Uh, so we'll give you a little bit of a snapshot of what's going on, not only in that game, but what's going on earlier today, a little bit later on in the show today as well. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, we have a whole lot of no baseball to talk about. <laughs> All right, we have baseball to talk about. But it's not the kind that we'd want to be, right? Like what we'd like to be talking about right now would be positional battles, uh, how some of the prospects are looking in Major League Camp, how do they compare to the big leaguers there, and we'd be starting up spring training games here soon. And, of course, we don't have any of that. Actually, we'd be starting them already, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and we don't have any of that, of course, because of the labor dispute. But I do have some more stuff that I want to get to uh, related to this. And it's different stuff than what I ranted about last night. <laughs> but it's still, it still feels like ranting because none of this makes any sense to me. I don't understand why... 30 owners are willing to just turn off the switch and shut down the sport over amounts of money that don't really matter to them. Like they're already 26 of major league baseball's 30 owners are billionaires, 26 out of 30. And the other ones are close and we'll probably be billionaires within the next few years, depending on how their other businesses go. But 26 of 30 are billionaires. The amounts of money that we're talking about will impact them in the tens of millions of dollars a year range. Okay? So, again, to put that into perspective, $10 million to $1 billion is the same as $100 to $10,000. Or better yet, $1,000 to $100,000. So if you make $100,000 a year, And something's going to cost you a thousand. That sucks. But I don't know that you shut down your business over that. You know that you're going to feel that. Um, and, and this is the thing. The higher you go up, the less you feel anything when it comes to financial hit. Well, what we're talking about here are, again, m- numbers that are gonna end up mostly in the tens of millions of dollars changing And not even for every team, which is the other part of this, is just so maddening and frustrating. Because without, like I mentioned last night, without the the floors being implemented, which is not going to happen, without, you know, more language in the revenue sharing system that says, no, 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 you teams at the bottom, you need to spend this money on major league players. You don't just to get, don't just to get to, uh, you know, pocket it and walk out the door, which is what's happening in a lot of those places. 
Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I think it's just it's really weird, especially when I also consider that revenues are only growing. You know, if revenues were shrinking, I would understand all of it, but they're not. So the, the, the pie is getting larger. We're baking a bigger pie. And yeah, the players are going to want a, a bigger piece than they have now, but they're not asking for your pie. They just want more that should be designated for them. But but again, more importantly, it's the ratio, right? It's it's how much does this even matter to someone who is worth whose net worth is a billion dollars or greater? Like if 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 your team costs you an extra ten million dollars a year, and you're a billionaire, do you even feel that? Because I don't know that you do. It, it doesn't, I mean, so again, if, you, if your net worth is a billion dollars and you take 10 million out of it, you still have 999 million, I'm sorry, 990 million left. I mean, it's not, again, it's not like it changes your world. And I don't understand why you would damage your business and maybe do damage that like long-term is going to be harder to recover from and cost you money down the road. Now, I'm sure they've looked at it. I'm sure that they've done uh, the numbers over time and say that, oh, you know, we'll get over this. And with these rules, with the way that we're trying to propose it, within two years, we'll make this back up, blah, blah, blah. But again, it just doesn't seem like a large amount of money to be arguing and fighting over, especially when... It's really only about the option to spend more money for a handful of teams and not a requirement for anyone to spend any more money. The teams would still have total total leeway involved in this. They would still be able to have this thing going in the they would still have this thing be able to just roll forward. So I don't I don't I don't see why you're gonna you're you're willing to fight like not just fight. I mean, you fight for anything in a negotiation, but to shut the whole thing down when we're not talking about any required extra spending for the owners. That's the key part here. The only required extra spending would be that younger players get more, but that doesn't mean that the middle class players get more. In fact, what will happen, and the owners know this, is they'll just pay those guys less. Their budget will still be their budget. It won't change that. It's very, I don't know, it's an odd thing. Anyway, I have a few different angles I want to get into on this. Um, I thought there was a really cool uh, bit of work done by Maury Brown from Forbes.com who put out a spreadsheet that shows you exactly how much every team has paid in luxury tax violations over the last 18 years. And it's pretty interesting. And it's, it's kind of, again, speaking of like, volume of dollars like I don't know why the luxury tax has the strong effect that it does when you look at how little what low percentage of the money is actually taken out of the owner's pockets that go over that luxury tax we'll get into that uh, we're going to talk about Evan Drellick's story from The Athletic um, who talked about that mentioned he got word from a source about four of the teams that are opposed to the CBT increases increases and two of them really surprised me uh, because they're teams that have gone above that number in the not-too-distant past. So we'll touch on that in a little bit. Um, we got a story about the Rule 5 draft. Uh, we also do have both the league and the players trying to put together a fund to help 
stadium workers, you know, game day workers that are going to be out of work if the games don't start. So we got all of that coming your way and a whole lot more baseball and then some hockey in the next hour on KMOX. All right, back in on KMOX, you know, we're talking, unfortunately, we're just talking way too much about labor issues and financial structure in the game and all of that, but I think it's important to do it when we have this kind of a dispute, just to, again, to put it into some kind of perspective. Somebody got mad at me on Twitter the other day. It wasn't like raging mad, just a little bit mad because I happened to mention that, hey, the play, all the players are really asking for, if we're looking at it in the big picture, is for their salaries for major league payrolls to go up along with revenues going up and along with inflation and somebody's like oh yeah well you know you know talking about you know it raises because you know along with inflation for people who make millions is kind of cringe and I'm like it's more to just understand the point that they're not asking for huge increases and again they're not asking for anything that's going to change what teams will set as their budget. Sure, if you raise the CBT to $230 million instead of 220 okay, that's another $10 million for the Dodgers that, to not get taxed on. But it's not going to change their world. Like, they're still going to spend it. Steve Cohen with the Mets is still going to spend whatever he wants because he's worth $12 billion. He can do whatever the hell he wants. And I understand that CBT is is as much about limiting owners as it is anything else. But again, we're talking about something that is voluntary and not mandatory. Nobody would have to raise their payroll at all. So sure, a handful of teams that are at that threshold could go up 10, 15, 20 million dollars. But again, what is that? One player? You know, $15 million right now is a fourth starter in Major League Baseball on a team that's got some budget. It's a veteran, solid fourth starter. Third or fourth starter. I mean, that's like that's what Miles Michaelis makes. What's he, 17? Miles is not an ace. He's not number two. He's a three or a four on a contending team, which is what he'll be on the Cardinals. So that's the difference. Like, that's the thing. Again, this is... What I'm well, the reason I'm pointing these things out is not like yesterday where I was trying to make the case that the owners are wrong. What I'm pointing out today is, and this is really kind of the theme throughout the course of this hour, is that some of these these differences aren't really as big as they're made out to be. We're talking about a business that last year, even even with the COVID problems at the beginning of the year, was nearly a ten billion dollar a year business. They made like nine nine point seven nine point eight billion last year in revenue. It was almost 11 in 2019, but you know, last year you can figure that the gap is really the first part of the year when teams weren't allowed to have full attendance, right? There were some were 50%, some were 40, some were 70. You know, it was different everywhere. And that's that's probably the biggest difference. And now in 2022, you would think, you know, everything's going to be normal. Uh the way that things are trending, the way that we are now, things are going back to more normal. So I think it's fair to project that they're going to be back in that 11 to $12 billion range, especially with the new revenues coming in with bigger TV contracts and the gambling and all that. So what I think is, is fascinating when we talk about the, the luxury tax, the CBT, is that it's it, it, teams treat it like it's a monster. They treat it like it's 
like it's the plague. Like you, we cannot cross that line. You know, it's the line of demarcation, and you're like, it's just too painful. Here, here, here's a table. Maury Brown from uh, Forbes.com put this out earlier today, and he does great work on all things related to sports and finance. So when you look at the amount of luxury tax money collected by Major League Baseball per year, in some years, it's been as high as $70 million total. So for all the teams that have to pay the tax. Most years, it's right around $30 million. And in fact, if you look at it, on average, on average, it's something like um, $29 million a year is the average total luxury tax. So again, let's put that into some perspective. $29 million. And again, that's total for all of Major League Baseball. Like for all 30 teams. So like this past year, 2021, $33.9 million in luxury tax fees. $32 million of that, $32.5 of that is just the Dodgers. And the Padres had $1.3 million of penalties of their own. So again, $33 million. They made $10 billion. The sport made $10 billion. And the luxury tax money was $33 million. How is that in any way, shape, or form a big deal? That's less than 1%, by the way. Less than 1% of the total payrolls in Major League Baseball. Does that sound like a big deal to you? Because, again, players made $4 billion last year. And the luxury tax penalties added up to $34 million. And, again, all of that was one team. When you look at the Dodgers as an example, the Dodgers annual revenue is, I believe, creeping up on $800 million a year. And their luxury tax payment was $32.5 million. That's a drop in the bucket. This is what I'm talking about. Like when your annual revenue is $800 million, paying an extra $32 million is nothing. And for the Yankees and for the Red Sox and these other big market teams, it's really not a big deal. But what's interesting is, to me anyway, is that this is tre- th- these penalties that they've had in place have been treated almost like a hard cap. I mean, even the Yankees tried to dip down below, the, not tried, they did, they dipped down below that number to reset it. In fact, the Yankees have only gone over the luxury tax once in the last three full seasons. You know what the most the Yankees have ever paid in a luxury tax is in a single season? $34 million. That was in 2005. 17 years ago. Now, they typically have a luxury tax bill that's around $20 million. So the Yankees are like the Dodgers. Their annual revenue is like is like three quarters of a billion dollars. This is a drop in the bucket. You know how much the Yankees have spent total in luxury tax fees since 2018? Less than $7 million. So if they're raking in three quarters of a billion dollars, and I'm really only counting three seasons there, 2020, I'm not counting. Nobody crossed the luxury tax threshold. They just kind of threw that out for 2020 because of the shortened season. So if we just do some simple math, in fact, I'll cut it down to $700 million instead of 7 
instead of $750 million for the Yankees, just to make it a round number. So they've had a revenue total of $2.1 billion over the last three full seasons. And they've paid $7 million in luxury tax fees. Why is this supposedly scary? Oh, because you might have a draft pick move down 10 spots? Like you care when you're a team with that kind of revenue. So what I don't understand <laughs> is why is any of this even scary? I, it really doesn't make any sense. There are only three franchises. Sorry. F- yeah, three franchises since 20, 2003. So 18 years. There are only three franchises that have gone over the luxury tax more than three years in a row. Yankees, who did it every year (laughs) from 2003 to 2017. So they did it every year. They did it for 14 years in a row. The Dodgers did it five years in a row. And really, it's like seven of the last eight full seasons they've been over that number. And the only other that's gone more than three years in a row above the luxury tax is the Red Sox. And that was 04, 05, 06, 07. And by the way, there are only two, four, six, eight, nine teams in in the entire sport that have at any point in the last 18 years gone above the luxury tax threshold, the CBT. So why is this viewed as such a scary thing? Why does this even come close to acting like a hard cap? Nobody has paid more than $43 million in a luxury tax. That was the Dodgers. That was one time in 2015. Nobody has ever come close to that since. The next closest is that $34 million for the Yankees back in 2005. Actually, the Dodgers had another one at 36 in 2017. So, But that's really it. So when you think about this, Does that make any sense to you? And that's what I wanted to get into today. It's the idea of of proportion. The amounts of money that we're talking about to people who are billionaires, to teams, to a sport that's in the $10, $11 billion a year range in terms of revenue. These dollar signs, these tens of millions are basically irrelevant. They're they're rounding errors. (laughs) I know it's more than that, right? Because in the end... That's more money that those owners would get to take home. So if the Dodgers weren't above the CBT, that $32 million that they have to put in as a luxury tax fee, well, they would get to keep. But they don't care. They would rather win than deal with that. And what's interesting to me is, as I outlined yesterday, we don't really have any evidence league-wide that there is a competitive balance problem. Because as I mentioned, Major League Baseball is the same as or better than all of the other sports in pretty much any way that you can measure team success, the number of teams having success, division winners, playoff chances, different number of the, the percentage of teams that have won the World Series or reached the World Series or reached the Final Four, whatever. They're about the same and in some cases better than the other three major sports, team sports. And that's the thing that kind of really blows my mind in this is we're not talking about a large percentage of the money that is generated in Major League Baseball. We're talking about, again, tens of millions when revenues are in the tens of billions. 
So why is this such a big fight? When that's what we're talking about, these margins are not that great. And again, when we get back to this idea that raising the CBT would not be a mandatory thing for anybody to go near. Nobody would have to raise their payroll at all. You still can set your budget and like it, have it be whatever you want it to be. And okay, so what if there's an extra 10 to $15 million difference between the Dodgers and the Pirates? Do you really think that matters? Do you really think that changes anything? And that's kind of the theme of tonight, right? Proportionality. And that makes me think that it's not about that, that it's not about competitive balance, that it's not even about greed, but maybe it's about embarrassment. I don't know. In all honesty, to me, again, again, the only thing that comes back to making any sense, like from a rational perspective, is that it's personal. The owners are just pissed. And they want to win the fight. They're the guy out at the bar that's had a couple of drinks too many, and he won't back down from a fight. He's going to throw the first punch. And then once the punch is thrown, it's on. That's how it feels because the numbers don't add up to being a significant enough proportion of the revenue that's generated. It doesn't change the dynamic in the sport at all. If you allow the Dodgers or Yankees or Red Sox or any of those teams to add 10 to $15 million a year more without being penalized, that doesn't change what the Pirates and the Marlins are. And it doesn't shrink the gap between the two sides. Because what we're talking about is the amount of money that is typically for a fourth or fifth starter or for a seven or eight hole hitter. It's not star level money. It's not like, okay, well now the Dodgers... Now they can have another star player. Like, that's not the amount of money that we're talking about. It has to be personal. It has to be an emotional fight. Doesn't it? Because those numbers don't really add up. You know, 30, 35, 40 million dollars total in luxury tax money on a 10 or 11 billion dollar year business is just not a lot of money at all to worry about, but that's about how much a year teams are paying in luxury tax fees. All right, next up, I want to go a little bit into a little more on the CBT, but a different angle here. Uh, Evan Drellick of The Athletic had a story that named four teams that, are that according to his sources, are known to have voted against the CBT increases. And there's a couple of interesting things about this. One is that two of those teams have gone above the threshold in the past, which is odd. And also, four teams is not enough to block a deal. So there have to be more, right? We'll get to that next on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, a little more baseball here. I mentioned we got some blues coming up in the next hour as they get ready for back-to-back games. You guys better get your lunchtime stuff ready for the games the next couple of days. 11.30 and 12 o'clock the next two days for the Blues out on the East Coast, taking on the Islanders tomorrow and the Devils on Sunday. We'll hear a little bit of what Craig Berube had to say after today's practice. 
Um, we picked that up from from uh, the St. Louis Blues themselves the, at uh, stlouisblues.com. Some good audio there if you ever want to go get that. It's posted up there daily uh, if you want to keep up with the team. We'll have a little bit of that coming up just after the top of the hour. Um, I wanted to continue on the baseball side here, and, I, and there was a story today from Evan Drellick of The Athletic who has been, if not the top person on the collective bargaining um, process. If he's not been the top guy, he's been one of the top two or three in terms of staying um, at the forefront of the reporting on it. He had some really good stuff today on finding out from sources that for finding out the specific teams and therefore specific owners that are opposing an agreement between MLB and the MLBPA based on the competitive balance tax, based on the luxury tax. And according to the sources that Evan Drellick has, the four owners that have opposed this CBA based on the CBT are Bob Castellini of the Reds, Ken Kendrick of the Diamondbacks, Chris Illich of the Tigers, and Artie Moreno of the Angels. And you know, if you're like me and you follow this stuff, and you're kind of like playing the Sesame Street game here, like which one of these is not like the other? Well, you know, what's interesting is that the Angels and Tigers have both gone over the luxury tax at some point. Now, the Angels haven't done so since 2004. Uh, the Tigers have done it three times, uh, and and most recently, 2016-2017. The other time was 2008. So they're not like frequent violators. But they're teams that keep pretty high payrolls, and they're teams that have been above that number in the past, but never that much. So the Angels, under Artie Moreno, have spent a grand total of $927,000 over 18 years in luxury tax fees. And for Detroit, it's $9 million over 18 years. So it's not like neither one of those teams has really been harmed by this, by by the luxury tax, by the CBT. I I get, I mean, like if you said which teams you would you expect, well, I would probably expect the Reds to be one of those teams. I would expect the Diamondbacks to be that. They're notoriously cheap. And I would expect it to be more like the Marlins and the Pirates and teams like that, but they're not named in any of this. So a couple things that a couple conclusions that we can draw from this reporting. One that it's kind of a weird group of teams like they don't, they're not really aligned. So again, this is coming back to me that it's not about it's really not about the numbers. It's not about the money. It's more than that. It's personal. At least that's how it feels. But also keep in mind that four teams is not enough to block a deal. It takes eight teams objecting to block a collective bargaining agreement. So if 23 teams vote yes, well, it doesn't matter what the other seven teams think. So there are eight teams at least. I mean, again, it could be more, but there are at least eight teams holding this up. But this only names four. So there are at least four more holdouts in this regard. Now, maybe they're not holding out on the CBT, Maybe that's the technicality. Maybe some other part of this is offensive to them, which, again, none of it's even that big of a deal, and none of it even guarantees that the players get a larger piece of the pie. That's the crazy part. Nothing that's been proposed by the MLBPA 
guarantees that the players will get a larger percentage of revenue. If I put it to you that way, which is true, by the way, because if the, if the CBT goes up, nobody has to go there. With, with the younger players making more, teams are free to just not spend on veteran players. They can, they can piece together their payroll however they want. If I put it to you that way, right, that nothing that's being asked for becomes a requirement for any owner. Then what's the holdup? Like, what's the problem? Nobody has to do anything. Nobody has to increase their payroll. Nobody has to go near the the luxury tax threshold. So it's an it's a, it's a again that's why I think it's personal. It's why I think it's beyond just dollars and cents and you know the, the, any real impact. It's an emotional thing right now. Or at least again, that's how every that's what every sign points toward. Now, a few other things in this Evan Drellick story that were interesting. Obviously, a, a spokesman for the league says, you know, some of the things in this story are not true. Um, you know, the players, by the way, uh, somebody on the players' side have alleged today that, and this is, I, I think, the quote that I read to you from Ross Stripling yesterday kind of stu- kind of started or, or at least led us into this place. The, the, le- the union has said, look, they tried to slip in some language here and there that doesn't make sense. They're trying to put in... Um, they're trying to include the per diems for meal money as an example. They're trying to include that in the luxury tax. And again, think about that. Those per diems added up over the course of an entire season are nothing. <laughs> I mean, they're just nothing. It's it's a literal drop in the bucket. It's a drop in the ocean when you're talking about the total amount of money that's there that's coming in and how much that impacts anything. But it, so again, we, we have billionaires trying to nickel and dime this, which is again, it, it only seems it's that's why it seems personal. It seems like it's an emotional fight as opposed to something that's a, a rational business thing. Because not again, none of the things if if the if the Major League Baseball Players Association were to get every concession that they're asking for right now, which is you know the the collective bargaining number. The, sorry, the competitive balance number. The luxury tax moving up without increasing the penalties. Um, the 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 extra money for the first, second, and third year players. Things like that. Like all, if they just got what they asked for, it's a win for the owners because they're not required to do anything. They're not required to spend an extra nickel. Well, they can. And certainly those that are the big revenue teams would do that. But again, when we're talking about an amount of money, which is again, 10 or 10 or $15 million is the difference. You know, again, when you think about what percentage of the actual payroll that is. So let's say we're going to talk about an extra $15 million on a $220 million payroll. It's an extra 7%. What difference does that make? Like, it, And I mean that from a competitive standpoint. Like that extra 6 or 7%, does that make the Pirates situation any worse at all than it is? Or again, or the Marlins or the Reds or any other low-revenue team? 
Not really. That That's not going to change the power structure in the sport. It's not going to affect competitive balance. It just isn't. And combined with all of the competitive balance points that I made yesterday, which showed that baseball doesn't have a competitive balance problem, that over the last 15 years, 10, 15, 20 years, really whatever time frame you want to look at in this range under these CBTs, they have just as many, just the same percentage of teams that win titles, make it to the postseason, all that, as any other sport. So where's the problem in that? So the problem is really this This feels like that it's a very personal, very emotional thing. And it is a little bit of that from the player side for sure, maybe even a lot that. But what again, what they're asking for isn't very much. And it isn't even at, they're not even asking for anything guaranteed. They're just asking for the possibility that the big market teams might raise their payrolls. And and forget possibility, probability. I mean, those teams will probably go there. But it's just not a very big amount of money. It's not it's not a hyper large percentage. Now I will say this: we had one story today that I think is on the positive side in this. Um, the, both the both the union and the league have announced today that they're going to get together to try to help workers that are going to get screwed by games not being played. We'll tell you about what they've set up so far coming up next on KMOX. All right, just a few minutes left in this hour, and I did want to point out one thing because we've been talking. I know I have talked about a lot, and I've had people ask me about it too, uh, mostly on Twitter, but in other places as well. You know, basically, what about all the other people that work in and around the baseball industry that are not players or owners? And I don't mean like front office officials who are getting paid no matter what, or minor league coaches, or even the major league coaches. I mean, they're all getting paid. None of them have anything to worry about. But security people. Ticket takers, ushers, people that work on the television broadcasts, you know, all kinds of people are out there right now and they will not make money until games are being played. Well, at the very least, the MLBPA is putting a million dollars towards those people. Now, I'm not going to lie. My initial reaction was a million dollars. How far does that go? I mean, you're talking about 30 teams. We're probably talking about dozens, if not hundreds of people. You know, dozens at least per team. I, I haven't even begun to count because there's just so many people that are impacted by this. People who work on game days. There's a ton of them. And we're doing that in 30 different places. I don't know. Is a million that much money? But then again, you know, it's not meant to cover a year's worth of salary. It's meant to make up for some of the lost revenue Maybe I and I I don't even know if this count accounts for the spring training sites or not. But those are those people are losing revenue too. All those people that would be working as uh, ushers at spring training games, um, you know, vendors, you, you know, really go down the list of things. Uh, not to mention all of the businesses that are being kicked in the fruit basket, the restaurants that are around these ballparks, the hotels in the area where people stay when they come down to see their team in spring training. You know, all of those people, all of them are getting hurt. And a million dollars, all right. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. It's a good thing when when the players are getting together. And by the way, the 
the owners, the league announced that they're going to be doing the same thing too. They just didn't announce the amount of money yet. Hopefully they'll get into a little battle of one-upsmanship and that number will get bigger. <laughs> hopefully the owners will be like, well, we'll show you. We're going to do $3 million or $5 million. Well, hopefully they do because there are a lot of people that are losing out on income and they have nothing to do with this fight and they have no voice in it at all. And as usual, whenever there's some, some kind of fight, you know, the little guy's the one that gets the, the, the boot in the ass. Just how it is. And it sucks. But at least there's something that they're putting together to try to help those people. Uh, I, I don't know that it's, I don't know how much it really ends up being per person. That's a, an interesting question. You know, I, I'd say that you're probably, again, we're not looking at trying to pay. You know, every single person that's involved. But let's say you're giving everybody a thousand dollars. Well, that's only a thousand people, and I'm sure there's more than that. All right, we got a few more things we want to get to in the next hour. I have one more quick baseball story, and then we're diving into the blues and a little college basketball here on KMOX.